0: So this passage is from towards the end of the book, but there's no spoilers, I promise. And ming Su, the main character, is crossing the Sierra Nevada mountains, and he sees a shape. At altitude, time passes differently. Darkness before sunset, the land not going to morning until long after the sky has bleached blue and bone white. The days lose their order. The mountains know their own way. He who traverses these slopes passes through a realm not entirely his own. In the rarefied air, his breath comes quick and shallow, and he pants as he climbs. And all around him the world pulls down, down, and down again. Endless goings down. Avalanche and rockslide and filthy lahars kicked off by thunderstorms that carry whole forests down into the valley in their boiling wake. He sees this going down everywhere he looks. He feels the stones sliding beneath his feet. In the rivers and in the rocks, invisible undertoes drag all things, ultimately, out to sea. He was descending the slope of the mountain when he noticed a strange boulder covered in snow some hundred yards down from the rails. When he reached it, he saw that it was a man, clearly dead, though for how long Ming couldn't tell. The body was frozen solid, the man's skin bleached a ghastly white by sun and ice. Whatever snow cover had sheltered the body from thaw must have only recently receded. A wind sidled along the snowdrifts as Ming regarded the shape. Even in the absence of color of the dead man's face, Ming could see that he was Chinese. Rags clung to his body in tatters. Scavengers had plucked out his eyes and tongue. His throat had been bloodied ages ago by some carrion eater, and the blood had frozen before it could dry as a violent smear of red ice welded to alabaster skin. He stared up with sightless sockets at the infinite blue of the Sierra sky. Ming guessed the man was no more than twenty. He brushed a thin covering of snow from a nearby stone and sat down, gazing at the dead man. The world was quiet but for the sound of the wind combing through the trees. The dead Chinese glittered in the sunlight. Ming couldn't decide whether to bury him. It is through labor that men remember anything at all, he imagined the prophet telling him. But he had no spade with which to dig a grave, and the ground here was already too frost-hardened to yield to the blade of a shovel anyway. Ming stood from the rock he'd been sitting on, and started off along his route again, cutting across the slope to the railroad. But he only made it a dozen paces before he stopped, troubled by something he couldn't quite name. The body of the dead Chinese swayed gently on the point of the man's spine, moving with the wind. He turned and went back to the dead man. I'm sorry, he said, and he was startled by the sound of his own voice. He had been too long in silence. He cleared his throat and tried again. I'm sorry, he repeated. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He glanced around, trying not to look directly at his face. I got nothing to bury you with, he said. The Chinese rocked a little and was still. The wind had died down. Ming took the body by one icy ankle and dragged it away toward the shade of the nearby pines. The skin of the dead man's ankle began to thaw in his grip, and Ming felt it soften enough to slide over the bones of those ankles, and he nearly let go. He shook his head as if to steady his thoughts and pulled the man into a clearing shaded by pines, and shuddering, he released the ankle. The dead man's frozen spine had carved a shallow rut in the snow as he'd been dragged, and still he hugged the remembered boulder, arms and legs locked in a death embrace. With a wary hand, he tipped him over onto his side. The fingers left divots in the thin, early season snow, sunlight filtered down through the Cathedral of Pines. Ming gathered some fallen branches whose needles had gone yellow and brittle and laid them on top of the man. There were not enough to cover the body, and through the gaps in the branches came flashes of pearl white and crimson, skin and blood. He unclapped his pack and set it down, and went back to where he first found the man sprawled atop that fallen boulder. And from the rubble that had come down from the blast, he began to collect stones. When his arms were full, he returned to the body and heaped the rocks on the dead Jennys. It was not enough. Still, the man's ghoulish face gazed through the trees. Ming needed more stones. It took him six troops, each time returning laden with stones, before he had enough to cover him. He kicked his boots into the trunk of a pine to work blood back into his feet, and he shoved his hands into his pockets to warm, clenching and unclenching them. When he had regained feeling enough, he drew his hands from his pockets and sat down cross-legged by the body obscured with fallen branches and with stones. The man's arms and legs were locked in their sockets, and try as he might, he could not move them, could not force the Chinese's frozen legs to lie down straight nor cross his thin wrists over his sunken chest. The body might as well have been carved from stone. Ming placed a branch over the man's hollow eye sockets and used the remaining ones to fill the empty space between the limbs that the boulder had once occupied. Now he began to build a great cairn, stone locked against stone, a heap of fractured granite and black shale and waxy chips of green-gray shirt. By the time he was finished, the sky was beginning to darken, the temperature dropping with each passing moment, and he gazed upon the cairn in the deepening evening. He opened his mouth to say something, hail and farewell perhaps, but could find no words. He wondered if the dead Chinese beneath the stones would have been able to understand him in life. He wondered if he had family across the sea, waiting for word of his successes. And he wondered now if the dead Chinese would have thanked him for dragging his body into this forest, for heaping him with stones, for standing now mute and pale over his frozen body, at last bearing witness to his death, to die nameless and unremembered and unmourned on a frozen embankment in a land far from home. What was it the old man had said? Ming stretched his frozen hands over the stones in the failing light, breathing vapor into the chill night air. Return, he murmured. You're listening to Stories, Poems, Music from the Creative Process. To hear our full interview with novelist Tom Lin, visit the Creative Process Arts, Culture, and Society podcast. This series is produced by Mia Funk, with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Thanks for listening.